No, there I am. Good morning. Sorry about that. That was on me. I forgot to turn it on. Obviously, I'm not our usual preacher. Casey's out this week. You heard from him earlier. You know, what's exciting is it's really glad that we have a great enough preacher that when I walk in here, you're like, oh, man. Oh, man, where is he? Aren't we, aren't we blessed? Aren't we blessed? My name is Mark Williams. I've been a part of this church now coming on uh, 23, 24 years. If you're with us this morning and uh, this is your first or second time, so glad to have you. It's a, uh, an incredible place. It has blessed my life and God is uh, truly alive and work here uh, and at work here. And uh, if, you, if you don't believe it, talk to somebody. They'll tell you about the things that, uh, that are going on. We are very thankful. Uh, I want to thank Lewis for reading the entire Bible to us this morning. Um, I first had him to read the first 13 uh, verses and realized that I would end up reading the whole Bible this morning if I didn't have him do it. But we're going to be looking at a story that's one of the the most interesting stories in the entire New Testament. And yes, it is 42 verses long, and there's really no way to look at it without telling the whole story. And I wanted you to hear uh, how the story went. And so I asked him to do that, and it is one of the uh, many surprises that we have in the Bible. Now, surprises are a very interesting thing. Surprises by their very nature are something that uh, we do not expect. However, we should expect surprises. Does that make sense? Surprises by their very nature are something that we don't expect, but at the same time, you should expect that there will be surprises. For example, I went to the grocery store this week, and to my surprise, when I picked up my bag of Fritos that I buy every two weeks to go with my tuna fish sandwich, instead of $3.89, it said $5.19. And I literally had to look in the next bag to make sure that it was $5.19. Thankfully, um, HEB and Walmart don't charge that full price. That's that's one kind of surprise. Um, And I'm going to tell you a story about a surprise that happened to me. And this is recycled. So if you've been here a long time, you've probably heard this story. But for most of you, you haven't. When um, I... Oh, this is too many years ago. My, my son was in college. One of my boys was in college. And uh, he called me at 1.30 in the morning and said he's stranded on the side of the road in the middle of Arkansas in the middle of the night with a car that didn't work. And uh, I was thinking about, okay, what am I going to do now? Because I had promised that I would never buy him a car. I'd help pay for college, but I'm not going to buy the car. You have to buy the car. But now he's stuck on the side of the road, and I'm worried. And so I get up the next morning, and I decide, you know what? I'm going to have to go buy a car. It's going to be cheap, but I'm going to have to go buy a car. And I am surprised at myself because I had sworn I would never do that. That's just not what I'm going to do. But you know how it goes. You change your mind because he's standing on the road at 1.30 in the morning. So I get up, and to my surprise, I go to the office that day, and I sit down, and in walks our office manager named Cecil. And to my surprise, he says, you're getting a 13% raise starting today. And I'm like, that's great because I'm buying a car today. (laughs) And so I, uh, you know, go and I'm looking online and I find something that I want to see on the north side of town. And so at 4.30, I leave the office and our office is in the villages. I'm going north. And so about 5 o'clock, I am in the middle of traffic at 290 and 610. And used to, at 290 and 610, the way it was, it wasn't so wide. So you had this group of trees, these little forests, miles an hour. And all of a sudden, this person comes running off the feeder road and jumps right in front of my car with blood just pouring down their head everywhere, screaming, oh, somebody hit me, somebody hit me, somebody run into me. And of course, I hit my brakes. 
and I stop. Just like in the movie, you know, when he's about a foot away from my car and I'm thinking, I could have killed the guy. There's nothing I can do. And of course, everybody behind me, it is literally like a movie. Everybody's squalling and stopping. And so there's six lanes of traffic and he's standing there. And I get out and I turn around and the entire interstate is stopping. It's backing up to the Galleria. And he runs and he's screaming, please, please, somebody run over me. Please, somebody hit me. Somebody hit me. And I'm thinking, what is he doing? He's carrying a little bit, a little black bag. And, and uh, so I go and I'm like, are you okay? And he goes, no, I'm not okay. And he goes and he jumps on top of this pickup truck and he stands there. And it has his family inside of it who doesn't speak English. They're screaming the entire time. No English, no English. They have no idea what's going on. And he's standing here on this truck jumping up and down, bleeding everywhere, all over everything. And the traffic is stopped up. And I'm not, I'm, this is not preacher story stretching. This is the truth. We are there long enough that we are on the phone. I call the police and I say, you've got to get here. We got a crazy man bleeding all over a truck. The traffic's already stopped. I almost killed the guy. He wants to die. He's going to stand here until somebody does something. I got to have the cops. I'm sorry, sir. We have a major police event happening in the area. We'll not be able to send anybody until we address that. And I'm thinking, well, what is more major than a bleeding guy standing on a truck stopping 5 o'clock Friday afternoon traffic? And literally, the woman next to me says, are you okay? And I said, yeah, I'm a youth minister. I know how hang on to this stuff. So I'm talking to the guy. And literally, they, you know, the little trucks, the taco trucks, she opens her door, right? And she starts selling coke. Because now we're all out of our cars. And we're just standing around this guy. And he's standing there, blood. It's just everywhere. saying, no English, no English. Somebody kill me. Somebody kill me. Somebody kill me. So I'm standing there. Sir, we need to get some help. Are you going to be okay? And all of a sudden, from the feeder road, comes a guy running with a gun. And so now I got a guy bleeding on top of a truck screaming, I kill me with a little bit back, little black bag, a guy with a gun. The guy sees him on the truck, he jumps down, the guy jumps on the truck, they jump over, and he runs and he jumps over the wall and goes down in the woods. The guy with the gun goes and jumps over the wall and goes down in the woods. And we're all standing there, taco truck and all, drinking our cokes, thinking, now what happens? And I call the police again. I'm sorry, sir, there's a major police activity in the area. We can't come until we're done with that. And I'm like, you've got to come right now. And all of a sudden, Bubba gets out of his big old truck and says, well, I know what I'm going to do. And he gets out with his gun, and he jumps over the wall, and he goes down in there too. And I'm thinking, okay, this is literally the most surprising thing that's ever happened in my life. And then I hear thunk, 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 and here comes the cops in their helicopter. Coming towards me on the opposite, down the interstate the wrong way are three police cars behind me. They're trying to weave through traffic. They're coming up. One jumps the curb here. One jumps the curb there. And all of a sudden, I'm surrounded by police. The people in the truck are still upset. There's still blood everywhere. The person is there. And the guy with the little black bag and the blood comes flying over the little concrete wall because somebody threw him. And over comes a hand with a gun, and then comes this guy in the white t-shirt that was chasing him, and then comes Bubba, and then so it's me, them, there, and all that. And all of a sudden, we're surrounded by 10 cops. And I'm like, hey, I'm the one that called the cops. I'm the one on the phone here. This is the guy. And the guy with the gun jumps on the back of the guy and puts the gun to him and says, somebody throw me some cuffs, somebody throw me some cuffs. And one cop looks at the other and looks at the other and says, it can't hurt. And so he threw him the cuffs, and the guy cuffs him, and he stands up and says, I'm a cop. And I'm like, now this all makes sense. It turns out we were the major event happening in the area. 
And what it was, was this guy had been breaking into houses in this neighborhood next door and uh, got called. And this guy was an undercover policeman and he was closest, so he responded. And he came and he'd been chasing this guy through the neighborhood for 15 minutes, literally in a front door, out the back door, past people sitting at their table while they're having dinner. And he got to the fence and you had the big deer fence. He shoved his way under and the little things, right, scalped this guy, which is why he was bleeding. And I just am like, okay. And so they arrest him and everything. And I said, you know, somebody needs to go talk to those poor people in the truck because they don't know what happened. They don't speak English. And they did and and talked to him. It was a really surprising day. The other surprise was I went up the road and I found this Saturn that only had 42,000 miles on it. And I got it for $2,000 less than the book. You know, if you've heard me speak before, you know, I always start with a story, and I like to tell a story that gets us going. But today, I want to talk about a surprise that it's just, it's the biggest thing that we can talk about that surprised me, and that's God. That's God. You know, as amazing and surprising as that day was, that is not nearly as surprising as God is. You know, surprises can come along, they can be good or bad. Surprises come along, you know, surprises are one of those things that disrupt us. They change us. They change our trajectory. Whether we want them to or not, they do. They change us. They change other people. Even even if we don't acknowledge them or if we ignore them, they have their impact. If surprises come, you can acknowledge or ignore them. If, If they come, you can embrace them or you can resist them. But either way, they are going to disrupt and change your life. Surprises are one of those things that you just, you have to respond to in one way. If somebody gives you a gift as a surprise, even if you choose not to acknowledge it, it has an impact. It either has an impact on you because you're angry they gave it to you and you didn't want it because you didn't want to acknowledge it or you're excited that they did or if you don't respond to the other person, their feelings hurt. You see what I mean? Surprises have an impact whether we know it or not. And sometimes we don't know the impact they have until later. You know, the Bible is really, really, really a book of surprises. So I've got a list right here and I'm going to follow them. Are you ready? Hang on. For those of you who know scripture, great. If you don't, I'll tell you a little bit about each one of them. One of the big surprises, the flood. God makes the entire earth. Man gets so wicked, God decides to destroy them. So he destroys his own creation with a flood. Kind of surprising to everybody but Noah and his family. Abraham and Sarah, they can't have kids. They're really, really old. Shouldn't be having kids. She has Isaac. Surprise. Joseph. Joseph's this really snotty kid that his brothers throw away into a cistern thinking they're going to kill him, decide to sell him to Egypt. And years later, surprise, surprise, he saves the civilized world during a famine and his brothers have to come and grovel and they don't know who he is. Surprise, surprise, surprise. Pharaoh. Pharaoh has taken the Jews now. It's many years later. Pharaoh is sitting here, and he's king of kings. And his brother over here, Moses, kills some Egyptian. And Moses was Jewish, and nobody really knew it. And he took off. And then he went, he was in the mountains, and he was hiding out because he was a murderer. And surprise, God comes and speaks to him in a burning bush. Don't know about you, that would get my attention. Burning bush. So, burning bush surprises. Wow. All right, so Moses goes and talks to this Pharaoh and says, I want to take the Israelites with me. And Pharaoh says, no. Surprise, there's a plague. Pharaoh says, okay, go. No, I've changed my mind. Surprise, there's a plague. Took 10 surprise plagues for Pharaoh to let Moses take 
people away from Egypt. Surprise, surprise. So Moses takes them. They get to the Red Sea. The Egyptians are coming. Guess what? They can't cross the Red Sea. Last I checked, Jesus hasn't come. Nobody can walk on water yet. They're stuck in surprise. The Red Sea opens and they walk across on dry water. Oh, let's go to the next surprise. Esther and Haman. The Israelites are captured again. They're under rule and Haman, this evil, evil man, wants to wipe them out. He's the Hitler of his day. And Esther, this unassuming woman who God ends up making queen, saves her people. Surprise. Jonah. Jonah is called to go say Nineveh, which is not an Israelite city. Jonah goes and says, okay, I will. And then he says, I won't. And surprise, he gets swallowed by a fish and things get happening until guess what? He goes to Nineveh and God saves Nineveh through Jonah. Surprise. Zechariah and Elizabeth, John the Baptist, mother and father. They're too old. They can't have kids again. Now this is old hat. You know that? God does this all the time. People can't have kids and then they end up having kids. Some of you experienced that. You shouldn't be having kids and then you had kids. You know how that goes. That's a surprise. Um, but come to them and say, surprise, you are going to be the parents of one who will bring forth the Savior of the world. So John the Baptist. And then there's Mary. Okay. Got to tell you, Mary's a really big surprise. There's two or three different surprises here. Number one, she's a young woman. She is a virgin. And the Holy Spirit comes to her and speaks to her and says, you're going to have a child by me without being with a man. Surprise, surprise. One of the most surprising things in history. And you know what's even more surprising to me? Is that Mary says, you know what? I'm up for it. I'm up for it. You know what the other surprising thing is? Her fiance, Joseph, whom she's never been with, after a little talking with God, says, you know what? I'm up for it. Surprise, surprise. Jesus coming along. He changes the entire Jewish world, and he starts teaching with authority, and the Pharisees start losing their, losing their power and losing their influence. Surprise, surprise. This man can heal. This man is from God. Let's change the world. And they get angry, and this is not a surprise. They put him on a cross thinking they're done with him. And then a huge surprise. Three days later, he's resurrected from the grave. Surprise, surprise. It even surprised his apostles. And then there's this guy, Paul, who says, it didn't happen. Jesus isn't real. We're still Israelites. Nothing is new here. And so I'm going to kill everybody. And on the way to kill some more people, God blinds him, stops him, and leaves him there for three days to understand that Jesus is the Son of God. So you got the idea? Surprise, 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 surprise. That's how it's going to happen. Now, if you go back and look at your life, I'm going to bet your life in a way is a series of surprises. Some of them good, some of them bad. Well, on one particular day, Jesus is out with his disciples and they are walking. And they're headed to Jerusalem. And the way it used to work, and most of you know this, there's Samaria, which was a, a land of half-breeds. They were uh, part Jewish. They were part, uh, partly bred with part of the Babylonians and some other people that came and lived there. And it was mixed blood. And the Jews hated them. And they were horrible. And they thought they were children of Satan. And all these terrible things. And in order to get to Jerusalem, you didn't go through Samaria. You just didn't go that part of the country. You went around. And surprise, Jesus says, we're just going to cut straight through. I got things to do. And so they end up in this little town. And it's a Apostles go into town to get some lunch. And Jesus decides to sit there at the well. And this woman comes to the well. 
Jesus meets her. They have this conversation about what worship is like and what she is like and about who she is like and what's going to be in the future. And they have this whole conversation and the apostles come back and she goes and she gets to the village and says, he told me some amazing things and they come back. And that's a story you heard. It's a really amazing story about Jesus and this Samaritan woman. And in it, there are lots of surprises. There's some surprises that we're familiar with. First, we are, we are familiar with the surprise that he goes to Samaria, someplace that most people who were Jewish would never go. That's a surprise. The second is that he ends up at this well talking to a Samaritan. You don't talk to Samaritans. You just don't do it. They're worthless people. They have nothing to bring to the table. They're the result of sin. They remind me of the terrible part about Israel's history. Oh, and guess what? You don't talk to a woman, much less a Samaritan woman. Do you realize this? That at this time, most men in Jewish culture did not speak to women in public. If they did, it usually was to their wives. Surprise, Jesus is talking to a Samaritan woman. You ready for next? She's not just a Samaritan woman, she's that woman. That woman. You know, that woman. You know, that man. You know, that person. You know what I'm talking about? Remember those people when you were growing up or the people at your office or the people, you know, that woman, that man? Samaritan, woman, that woman, and he talks to her. What a surprise. Not what we expect. Not what we expect. She, we don't know where she came from. We don't know why she was that woman. We don't know if... She uh, was a terrible person. It says she'd been, he, we find out that she'd been married five times and she was living with a guy who was not her husband. Uh, we can suppose that she um, maybe had been caught in adultery uh, five times and divorced. But did you know in that time, the only way you got divorced was if your husband decided to throw you out. And he had the right to. He just had to give you a letter saying leave. So I don't know what the issue was. I don't know whether she could have children. I don't know whether she was a bad cook. I don't know whether she didn't take a bath often enough. I don't know whether she had a smart mouth. I don't know whether she cheated on her husband. I have no idea. But regardless, she's been married five times and then she's living with somebody now. She's that woman. And Jesus is talking to her, even though she has this checkered history. You know, <clears throat> I could spend 14 weeks teaching on this, but let's look at some things that take a deeper look. First, we get here, and in this story, Jesus stays at the well, and this woman, that woman, comes to the well, and Jesus does something really incredibly amazing. Surprisingly, he asked her to help him. The Savior of the world, God in the form of man, Jesus Christ, opened with asking that woman to give him water to drink. How surprising. That's not how gods are supposed to act, right? That's not how gods are supposed to act, but he opens with asking her for help. And then the next surprise is this, is that she, now we don't read it this way, but this is kind of how I see it. She calls him out for talking to her. 
Now you think about it, you're that woman, it's noon, you go out there, you're by yourself. This guy's sitting there, he's just sitting there and he's like, hey, can you give me something to drink? What does that mean? You have no idea. You're not quite sure, but what you know is he shouldn't be talking to you, so you better find out what was going on. And she says, wait a minute, uh, why are you talking to me? Why are you talking to me? So the surprise is Jesus asked for something from her first, and she kind of mouths off, making sure, hey, I'm not sure. And guess what? Jesus doesn't respond in the way we expect. Instead, Jesus surprises us with a response of starting a conversation about living water and about things she doesn't understand, about things that are spiritual. I mean, this is really, to the, she did not expect to go meet the Savior at the world and start talking about the principles of salvation and worship. And he says, I'm going to give you, I can give you living water. And she's stunned and says, where is this living water? I want it, I don't wanna come out here every day. I'd love to have it so I never have to come here again. I never have to thirst. Well, Jesus didn't argue with you. They talked a little bit about spiritual things, about living water. And he uh, explained to her this and that. And then he did something that's very interesting. Now, I don't think we have this ability and the miraculous ability to know this. But Jesus found a way in that conversation to let her know that he knew her past and it did not matter. Now, the way it happened was that they're standing there and they're talking about the living water. And she says, give me this living water. And he talks about this. And then he just stops and goes, oh, yeah, can you go get your husband? Can you go get your husband? And she's like, uh, yeah, I don't have a husband. He goes, yeah, and the guy you're with, it's not your husband. And he keeps talking to her. He finds a way to have a conversation with her that lets her know that he's bringing living water and he doesn't care where she's coming from. That he has something for her. Another surprise that comes along is that as they talk, and this is going to be a tough one. Some of you can get, get uncomfortable with this. Jesus kind of throws religion under the bus. She starts asking questions and saying, hey, well, obviously, if you are doing this little miracle of telling me who I am and not knowing me, you must be a prophet. And he says, you, if you knew who I was... And they start talking about different things, about worshiping here and worshiping there. And Jesus says, there's a time coming when what you know, a time coming when you who worship here and you who worship there, yes, salvation comes from the Jews, but really what's going to happen is things are going to change. And what's important is spirit and truth. Spirit and truth, spirit and truth, spirit and truth. And Jesus just basically throws religion under the bus for this woman who, guess what, religion probably means very little now, she knew enough to know that God was important because she asked about worship. Most people know enough about God if they want to admit it that there's something there. But So that's a surprise. And so he throws religion under the bus, but then we've got the biggest surprise. Do you realize this woman was the very first woman in the gospel of Jesus to which he said to anyone, I am the Messiah. I am the one. I'm the one everybody has been looking for for years. What? The very first person in the Gospel of John that he says, that's right, I'm the Messiah, is to that woman at a well in Samaria. Okay? Okay? 
The next thing that's surprising is the apostles come back and at the time, another culture that was there was that when they came back and they saw this, they probably should have said something or would have said something. But apparently the apostles came back from having lunch and they were so stunned they kept absolutely quiet. They didn't say a word. And they're standing there looking at her and she's looking at them and she decides to become, surprise, the first missionary. Samaritan woman, who's that woman, becomes the first woman missionary. Surprise. Right? If we were going to go find somebody to share the gospel, is this who we look for? No. You know, I'm going to stop here and camp a little bit and say this. The biggest point I think that we can see in this story is that as Jesus talked to her, he respected her. He started with where she was at. He revealed to her who he was. He made her feel valuable, and he entrusted her. Entrusted her with something that most of us would never be entrusted. And he basically says, you're standing here talking to me, and I have a surprise for you. I'm the savior of the world, you're good enough to know me, and yeah, you can go tell other people. So what do we learn? What do we learn? First off, we, let's talk about this as a church and as ourselves. First, from this parable, from this story, sorry, from this story, we can learn this. Number one, we better be going to Samaria. We better be going to Samaria. If you're not going to places you're uncomfortable with, people that you're uncomfortable with, I'm afraid that you might not be what God wants you to be. If you have Christ and you want to be Christ-like, you need to be going to Samaria. You need to be going to places that you don't expect to go. You need to be going to places that are hard to go. You need to go to places that you're uncomfortable to go so that you can be around people that you are uncomfortable with that are not like you. You know what's interesting? This can be anything. It can be morals. It can be race. It can be faith. It can be age. It can be all those good things. But you need to go to Samaria. Interesting statistic. Let's just talk about right around this church. I did statistics this week, pulled them up, shared them with the shepherds. Do you realize, okay, if you look at this, do you realize that the population spread five miles from here is like 39% white, 29% Hispanic? I mean, you just go down the row. We are in a Samaria of different people from all over the world. And if we're going to be a church in this neighborhood, maybe we need to prepare to go to Samaria to people who don't have what I have, which is growing up in Memphis, Tennessee, right? College, whatever it is, whatever the Samaria is. Maybe it's somebody in your family who's been cast out. They're your family's Samaria. Maybe you need to go to them. What else can we learn? Not only should we go to Samaria, we should be prepared to bring surprises to those who are there. You need to be ready to bring the surprise of God to the people that are there. You don't just go hang out with them. You go to bring the gospel. Jesus went to introduce himself to this woman and to the town. Do you realize this is one of the first entire cities that came to believe in Jesus? The Jews were rejecting him, and here's the Samaritans accepting him. Won't you be surprised when you go to people who haven't heard the gospel and you stop arguing with them and say, here's the gospel. And they're like, I've been looking for it. 
So go to Samaria. Go to those people too. Forget about cultural norms and taboos. Don't worry about what somebody else thinks about you going to whoever. Don't worry about what they're going to say. Because if you're going with the gospel, ultimately, they will know you are doing good. You need to be prepared to ignore cultural items in your life, taboos in your life, things that make you uncomfortable. Are you ready? Here's one that's really hard to say and almost left it out. You might need to ignore some of the cultural norms of your church and of your history. Because I want to tell you something. I believe God did not call the church God did not call the church to stay within itself and pat each other on the back for getting it right. God called us to leave and go. And if you're uncomfortable with that, then you're not listening to God is what I would say. I want to ask you a question on this. We're going to stop just for a second. Do you believe the same things you believed 10 years ago when it comes to faith and when it comes to church and when it comes to practice? I want to challenge you that if you do, if you do, you need to break that cycle. You need to set aside that norm that what I've always believed is what I've always believed and this is the way it is. And you need to start seeking places that can be surprising. It's surprising to me what I believe now versus then. You know what? You also need to realize that... uh, When you bring the gospel, it may take them places you don't expect them to go. I read an interesting article this week. One of the things that comes up is uh, this guy was talking about when we go to a foreign land or we go to a poor country and we come in and we build this big multi-million dollar hospital, that the people there are great to have it and they'll acknowledge that you came because of the gospel. But we wonder why they don't come to Christ and why they end up whatever. And the answer is the big, beautiful hospital Yes, that's our way. We want to share the gospel. We want to help. We want to deliver justice and mercy. And he says, maybe what they really, really needed was the doctor who speaks in their own language that knows the gospel that we trained and support. And we send out a hundred of those with all the medicine they need. And that's how the gospel goes because they can listen to the guy who lives in their village, but they don't understand a hospital. Does that make sense? When you go to Samaria, go in a way that the people who are there can understand you, can hear you. One of the greatest mistakes we've learned is taking Western culture and putting it into places that don't have Western culture. Our culture is not to be equated with Christ. Christ's culture is Christ's culture. It's not Western culture. Second, be careful with religious rules and processes. He said, you know, you've got all these rules about your mountain and the Jews have the rules about that mountain. And that's not the point, spirit and truth. And then last, we can learn that everyone is qualified. Everyone is qualified to share the gospel. Jesus went into Samaria. He talked to that woman. He revealed he was the Messiah. She went and she told her town. And through that entire thing, Anybody who is Jewish would have said you shouldn't be doing that. And it resulted in an entire town of people coming to know Jesus. 
So much so that they begged him to stay and he stayed there for two days. And I just wonder as a person for you and as a church for us, where that path is for us as a church. Where is our Samaria? Who are those people? What is it that we're called to bring to the table so we can relate to them? What is it we have to set aside so that we can reach them? And all that's important. But I want to tell you the most important thing. Some of you here today and some of you online are probably thinking, yeah, I relate more to the Samaritan woman. That's the biggest surprise of all. It doesn't matter where you're coming from. When you meet Jesus, your past is your past. Just like with this woman, he starts with where you're at. Do you notice he did not go and rehearse all the things she got wrong in her life or all the trauma that she had? All he did was say, I came to give you living water. And I want to tell you something. The most important point of this entire story is that if you don't know God, he's sitting at the well ready for you. And he is more than willing to acknowledge he can be your savior. He is more than willing to make you worthy in your own sight. He is more than willing to give you the gospel and let you take it to somebody else. I don't know if you've been married five times. I don't know what your addiction is. I don't know if you're a person who has anger in their life. I don't know if you're somebody who has fear in their life. I don't know what the issue is. But if you're sitting there saying, Jesus can never love me. Jesus, I can never be good enough. This parable right here says that's not true. If this woman and her life can hear the gospel and come to know Jesus, so can you. I have a friend who's a gambling addict. Breaks my heart. He tells me I'm a terrible, horrible person. And he will not respond to the gospel because he believes God cannot save somebody so wretched. Don't believe the lie. Believe the woman. You need to hear the woman coming into town saying, this man knows all about me. And if you haven't come to Jesus, that's my prayer this morning going to offer an invitation. If you need Jesus, come. He offers you living water. He doesn't care where you've been. What he does care is where you're going. And he's willing to give you that water and he's willing to let you share it with others. If there's anything we can do, can we help you on your journey? Can we talk with you about it more? You know, she had a lot of questions. If you had a lot of questions, anybody in here will be glad to talk to you. If you need to be buried in baptism so that you can drink of the living water and that you can enjoy the forgiveness of your sins and so that you can, in turn, be empowered by the Spirit and know what it's like to live beyond whatever it is. She learns to live, hopefully, after Christ's death, she learns to live beyond what her past is. Let us know. Because that's what we're here for. We're here not to help just ourselves, but to help you. If you're that woman, 
and you need Jesus in the well, that's what we offer. Let's sing.